Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. Well, good morning, church family, again. Uh, go ahead and get your Bibles. I want you to be in Matthew chapter 6. I know it's not an Advent passage per se. However, there's some concepts in there that I definitely want us to touch on as we're wrapping up our sermon series called Fear Not. This is our Advent sermon series for 2020, and uh, what a year to have it, right? Uh, my prayer is that the last few weeks have been encouraging to your soul, uh, that as we've pressed into God's word, you've been uh, finding misplaced fears being removed. You've found rightly placed fears being reordered and put into their place, and and then you've ultimately been transformed into the image of Christ. That's my prayer through all of this. But we're not done yet. We've got a, a species of fear that we're going to be talking about this morning that demands our attention. It's quite popular. And, uh, and, and speaking of popular, let me just go ahead and jump right to it. Let me ask you a question. Just You can shout out the answer. Um, what kind of fear do you think is the most prevalent? Fear about the past, present, or future? Future. Right? Actually, that's exactly it. So uh, according to psychology today, 75% of every fear that we feel is about the future. Right? Every, 75% of all fear that we have is about the future. Fear of the future asks what question ultimately? If. What if? What if this? What if that? And it usually fits in the psycho- psychological category of anxiety, Right? The sense of stress that we feel about something that we can't control that's ahead of us, right? It's anxiety that we're, we're asking the question, what if with, right? So John Bloom wrote an article about anxiety that I found really helpful, and he wrote this in the article. Anxiety is a species of fear. It's the paralyzing fear of what if. It's the fear that something we dread might possibly come true. There's only one solution to anxiety, the assurance everything is going to be okay. But the world gives us no such assurances, right? And guys, just by the way, I don't have my glasses. I can't find them. They're somewhere around the church. You're a godsend. Thank you, Lisa. I was going to say, I'm going to be squinting at you guys the whole time trying to see your faces. Hello. That works. So if... The world offers us no ability to say, hey, everything's going to be okay, right? It doesn't give us that assurance, which makes anxiety very difficult in a broken world, right? And if there was ever supposed to be a year in the existence of time where we were supposed to have some assurances or some clarity about the future, wouldn't you think 2020 would be the year, right? You're heading into 2020, ooh, my year, clear vision, I'm going to see straight this year, right? For the first time in my life, 2020, hey, clear vision. And is there ever a year that has probably caused more anxiety in the world today than 2020, right? What false assurances we had about 2020. So the the American Psychiatric Association, in other words, APA, released a a result uh, uh, recently in October uh, of a public opinion survey that they did. uh, And the data shows that 62% of people feel more anxious now than they did last year, which means Y'all half, y'all half are good. Y'all half are feeling more anxious, right? About more than half of the Americans today are feeling more anxious now than they ever have before or even where they were last year. But guys, that shouldn't surprise us, right? Like we shouldn't look at the world and what's going on in the world around us today and be like, 
Oh, why are people more anxious? No, isn't it logical to think, hey, the, th- the crazier things get, the more logical it seems to be more anxious about the world around us, right? That's our default. When things get crazy, anxiety shoots up and we're not surprised by it, right? That doesn't catch us off guard in any way. We know that this world is full of troubles and threats and problems. We all know that when we wake up tomorrow morning, there's going to be a fresh batch of threats and troubles that we're going to wake up with and we're going to have to deal with. Somehow we're going to have to eat them and they're going to be bitter. We just kind of know that. That's, that's life, isn't it? We always have plenty of reasons to feel anxious. And, and the Bible actually addresses that. I'll give you an example. One of the psalmists in Psalm 56, he just says, hey, when I am afraid, does he say, I'm never afraid? No, he says, in those moments when I am afraid. In other words, the Bible assumes that there are going to be times in a broken world where humanity is going to experience some problems, going to experience some anxieties, going to be afraid. The Bible knows there are plenty of good reasons for us to be anxious. Not only does the Bible tell us that there are plenty of threats and troubles in this life, it also tells us that you and I are just too small and too weak to be able to deal with any of them. It outs us all and says, hey, you can't even handle the problems in the world. You're too weak. So the question is, what do we do do with those troubles? What do we do with the threats that come in the world, that come even in a gathering of people nowadays, right? What do we do with them? What do we do with those troubles and threats? Well, anxiety says, I'm going to carry them. Anxiety says, I'm going to carry them myself. So uh, there's a a passage in Proverbs chapter 12 that says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. So back when uh, the pandemic first hit in March, uh, Pastor David Platt, who I'm I'm a big fan of, I enjoy Uh, paying attention to what he says. Um, He preached a sermon on anxiety. He preached a sermon uh, on uh, using this passage and an illustration that I thought was actually really helpful. So I'm going to do something that he did. Uh, So this isn't original to me, um, but I thought it would be helpful for you guys to see it as well and um, hope it encourages you guys. So uh, I've had the privilege in the course of my life um, to go around the world and do all sorts of cool things for the Lord and as I've gone, I've had the privilege of doing some hiking, right? I've, I've gone hiking in Morocco into the mountains and gone cave diving. Uh, uh, we did some hikes in, in Papua New Guinea in the jungles there. So I've got a pack, right? I've got a, a decent pack. This is actually meant for snow. Um, I bought it wrong, but it still works out fine. All you got to do is just have to put stuff in it, right? So based on this passage, right? Based on the idea that anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, it's almost like anxiety is like putting stuff in a pack for a journey, saying the journey is your life, this is your heart, right? So let me, let me try to illustrate this a little bit. Even from early on as kids, right, and teenagers, we're introduced to all sorts of anxieties. What if I don't perform well enough in this test? This is going to be a trick. What if I don't do good enough in this competition, this sports, whatever? Am I going to measure up well enough? As soon as I get this one in, it'll be better. This is almost, it's usually easier to just accept anxieties, right? It's in there. You know, other anxieties like, what do people think of me? How do people view me? What are their thoughts? Or or what if 
I don't get into this college that I really want to get into or get that job that I really wanted. You know, I have these ideas of what I want to do in the future, but I can't control that. What do I do with it? What if, what if I, what about marriage? Goodness, what if I don't get married? Or what if I marry so-and-so and such-and-such such happens in my life, right? Or what if, what if I get a bad review at work and I lose my job? Or even there, like, what do I do if, if, I, if, I, if I can't even afford to put food on the table? Or I got a call from the doctor, right? And they found something, and I've got to go in and get tested. What if it's cancer? What if it's this? Or even probably more, more likely today, guys, we've, we've got a pretty hostile climate coming towards conservative evangelical Christians. What if you and I start getting persecuted for our faith? What if our families start getting torn apart because we believe in the Bible? Guys, this is all just normal life. Normal life anxieties that come up. And then what happened with 2020? 2020 introduced a whole new idea of anxieties. It brought along a whole other pack of stuff that we have to worry about. First and foremost, which one's on the list? COVID. The safety of our families. I never could get this one right. What if my family's not safe? Usually, this isn't made for this, is it? What if, what if my parents get it? My parents aren't healthy enough. They're more vulnerable. Guys, this virus is, is prone to attacking the most vulnerable of us. What if, what if my kids get it? Right? Or better yet, what if my church family gets it? It's almost there. It's, 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 it's in. And then we had riots, right? And violence in the streets, in our own cities. Got to worry about that now. Or what about, what about, uh, oh, I don't know. The government and, and potentially overreach of uh, personal freedoms or the future government depending on how you saw the election go whether or not the vaccine's safe enough think about that one and you know one, one thing that we probably never thought about until this year <laughs> whether or not we'd have enough toilet paper So, here's 2020 with all its anxieties and problems and fears. And we're told, hey, tack it on to everything else you got. Right? Tells us, hey, you've already carrying this much. Now we need you to carry more. 2020 with all its problems. Yeah, let's just put that right together with what we're already carrying emotionally. Guys, this is, 
This is what weighs us down, right? This is the anxiety in our own hearts. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm, this is going to be bad for my back. Anybody know a good chiropractor? So 2020 added on to our anxieties that we already had. And sure enough, this gets really heavy. This is hard, right? And the problem is, you and I don't just get to simply decide when we put this on. It's not like we get to wake up in the morning and be like, hey, I'm not going to put you on today, anxiety. I'm going to be good today. No, guys, we wake up with this. We wake up with this. You don't, you don't just get to decide, I'm not carrying this today. You wake up and your heart's already weighed down with anxious thoughts. Now, this is going to be a dumb question. How many of you ever carried something? If you haven't, then you must have uh, some servant somewhere that's serving you your whole life. You know the, the law, right? The longer you carry something, what happens? The heavier it gets, right? The heavier it gets. Anxiety is the same way. The longer you carry anxiety, the heavier it gets, and it starts turning into things like depression, maybe self-pity and sorrow, or maybe, if you go far enough, paranoia, right? And not only that, but guys, Satan and the world are just saying, hey, here's more. You want more to put in your pack? Go ahead and just, just put them in there. Just start worrying about these things. Trust me, it's okay. Just, just put them in. New anxieties for each new day. So what do we do? What do we do? What, what is our aim? Do we just surrender? Blow the whistle, give up? Say, all right, I'm just, I'm just going to accept this. This is my life now. This is how I'm going to live. I'm going to have this baggage, this burden, this anxiety my whole life. What's our aim as Christians? What are we aiming after? What's our goal? Does the Christian life, does following Jesus offer us escape from the threats and the troubles the world tries to dish at us? No, absolutely not. But what the Bible does is it shows us how to fight our fears with faith. Guys, our goal in this conversation is greater faith, right? We want to grow in faith. We want to grow in believing the right things. We want to grow in trusting the promises of God. We want to grow in trusting in God's heart and in his sovereignty, right? So if anxiety in our hearts is like a pack that weighs us down, if anxiety in our hearts is like, a, is like a weighty pack on our hearts, there's a good word that can make our hearts glad, that can lift our souls. It's according to that passage in Proverbs, right? There's a good word, and my aim today, my hope, is that God applies his good word to you. Right? What is the good word that builds our faith? What is the good word that makes our hearts rejoice instead of be weighed down with anxiety? Well, I, I have not found a more profound and helpful passage on anxiety 
than Matthew chapter 6. And, and I want us to just work through it real quick. His words here are the good word that I think will really work to erase anxieties and help us fight fear with faith. So let's take a look at, at, at Matthew 6. We're going to start in verse 25 and we're going to read all the way to verse 34. So it says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, like clothing, right? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, you, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we wear, or what shall we drink? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So first, let's just kind of take some notes on anxiety itself and how Jesus himself views anxiety. So when we think of anxiety, where do we categorically put it? Do we, 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 we usually put it as an emotion that we feel, right? When we say, how do I feel? I feel anxious. I feel the stress of anxiety. And whenever we feel that, sometimes it results in, what, high blood pressure. Sometimes when I get anxious, I get a hot neck, which is weird. You can cook an egg on it, right? Sometimes it results in frenzied decision-making. That's actually kind of almost ignorant sometimes. But, but here Jesus says, don't be anxious. Do not be anxious. If anxiety were just simply an emotion that we feel, he's basically just saying, Stop feeling it. Stop feeling anxious. Just stop it. Right? But is stopping an emotion that simple? No. No, not at all. But the problem is we're presuming already that anxiety is just strictly an emotion. It's not. Right? If anxiety were simply and only an emotion that we feel, wouldn't it then be safe to assume that to address it, Jesus would say, hey, don't feel anxious, just feel glad. Right? Don't feel stress of anxiety. Lift up your hearts. Like it's within us to be able to encourage our own selves when we're already anxious. No, what does he do? He says, don't be anxious, believe these things. Don't be anxious, believe these truths. So yes, you and I will feel anxiety, But guys, one of the things that we have to know is that our emotions are always, always rooted in the things that we believe, right? So I always, 100% of the time, feel what I believe. I feel anxious because I am believing something. Guys, remember, fear is not the absence of faith. It's believing the wrong things. Anxiety is a similar route, right? I feel anxious because of something that I'm believing, And Jesus is straight up attacking anxiety in this passage. 
But how does he do it? He gives us truth. He gives us facts and promises and reasons. So the way Jesus attacks anxiety, we, we have to assume that Jesus himself assumes or believes that this word given to us, this good word given to our souls, when believed, will have emotional, even physical implications on our anxiety. Now, some of you might, might respond and just simply be skeptical of this. Well, 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 that doesn't work for me, right? That doesn't work for me when I hear truth. It doesn't have an emotional effect on me. It doesn't take away my anxiety. I still feel it. Guys, it works where the truth is believed and trusted. There's a difference between something that you know and something that you're convinced about, right? Where there is faith, faith is everything that you believe in your heart. Faith is everything that you're convinced of is true. So where you believe this in your heart is what we're after. So if Jesus's arguments don't have an effect on you, can we just be safe to assume that the problem isn't with Jesus' arguments? Right? Let's take that humble route, right? No, why? Because I know that we as human beings are prone to little faith. We're prone to wander off into doubtful believing. We must trust. We must believe what Jesus says. But doesn't, doesn't it just seem like Jesus is starting off this passage and, and he is just simply saying, hey, just stop it. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about your life. Just don't do it, right? When, when my daughter is afraid in the night and comes in and, and wants to, to, to be calmed down, right? Do I just say, hey, what? Why are you afraid? Go back to bed. Jeez, girl. I mean, I could, right? There's probably some dads who do that, but that's just terrible parenting, right? No, we hug her, we snuggle, and we calm down and we say, hey, you don't have to be afraid. Here's why. Here's why. There is no monster in your closet. The, dream, the spider in your dream was just a dream. Whatever it is, right? So here, we're not picturing the, the, the invitation to, hey, don't be anxious as a command from a master to a slave. It's more so an invitation from a father to a child saying, hey, no, no, come. I know you're already afraid. You don't have to perpetuate that any longer. Come, let me show you why. Come, let me see. Let me show you why you don't have to be afraid anymore. This is what he's doing. He's giving us the invitation. Hey, come, feel what living an anxiety-free life looks like. And here's how you can get to it. And he gives us the good words, right? In fact, there's eight total. We're gonna buzz right through them, okay? Eight good words buckle up. First, the good word. Your life is about more than you need. That's in verse 25. Your life is about more than you need. Think about it. What kind of anxieties does Jesus bring up when he says, don't be anxious about these things? Does he say, hey, hey don't be anxious about whether or not you're gonna have enough money to supply your Disney Plus subscription? Or don't be anxious about your, your 401ks and your IRAs. He doesn't say, hey, don't be anxious about keeping up with the latest fashion fads. No, what does he say don't be anxious about? He says, don't be anxious about what you eat, what you drink, or what you wear. Think about that. If you're in a station in life 
where you are having to be concerned about, I don't know what I'm going to have for food tomorrow. Am I even going to have water to drink? Am I going to even have clothes to wear? If that's your station in life, it's gotten pretty bad, hasn't it? Like Jesus is actually starting from the strongest needs, the most fundamental needs that we have in our lives. Not the, not the trivial, easy ones, right? It's, they're trivial and easy for us because we live in, a, in America. We live in a first world where we've got everything that we need at our disposal and we've got organizations out there that help us supply what we need if we, don't, if we can't. But guys, Jesus is starting with the, the most fundamental needs that we have for existence and survival with dignity. He says, don't be worried about what you eat, drink, or wear. In other words, Jesus is, is basically leading us to ask ourselves the question, is our life all about just supplying those basic needs? Is that the sum of our lives? Did God simply create us to feel the fears of whether or not we're going to have our needs met? Is that why we exist? Is the purpose of our existence simply to survive with some dignity? As if, that's, if that's all that we uh, believe, then we're not really believing scripture, right? That is a materialistic view. That's almost atheistic, right? The, 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 the sum of life is simply to, 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 I can see what's around me and satisfying my needs. And when I'm dead, there's nothing else. No, guys, a, a biblical worldview looks at scripture and says, no, life is much more than simply filling my needs. Life was designed for much more than that. It's meant for enjoying God. It's meant for knowing him. It's meant for being with him, right? So our lives aren't simply or only about having our needs met. If that's what we think life is, then we're very materialistic. No, there's much more to life than that. That's the first good word that Jesus gives. Here's the, the second. Your life is about trusting the God who eternally values you. Your life is about trusting the God who eternally values you. So next, Jesus kind of takes us on a, on a good old nature walk, right? He, he, he takes us bird watching and field frolicking, right? He takes us to the birds. He says, look at the birds, they don't, they don't put seed into the ground. They don't, they don't harvest it. They don't store it in their bins, in their barns, right? And yet your father feeds them every meal that they eat. So he takes us looking at the birds and he says, look, they, get, they, get, they got everything they need. God supplies them everything that they need. And they're birds. You're a child of God. Of how much more value are you than they to our creator? That's the whole point. He's saying you are of much more value than the birds. And then he takes us to the flowers or the grass of the field, right? He tells us to look at the flowers and he says, look, they, they, they don't even, they're inanimate objects. They don't work. They don't twist. They don't toil. They don't even move. They might blow in the wind. But they are dressed more beautifully than King Solomon on his best dressed day. And it's grass. It's going to be here one day and burn the next. Of how much more value are you than the flowers of the field? Right? 
Does not God value us more than this? In other words, you and I are considered precious. There's a value on our heads that God has deemed worthy enough, right? That's what our lives are all about. We're going to trust this God who says, I value you more than anything else in creation. I value you more than anything else that I've made. Think of the sun, how incredibly pertinent that thing is to our existence. And yet he says, no, I think you're more valuable than the sun. In fact, isn't that what he said with his own son? He was willing to submit his own son to the cross to purchase our pardon because he determined us as valuable. So if God gave you his own son to die in your place, won't he also give you everything else that you need? That's the argument from the greater to the lesser. So, yeah. Let's trust this God who values us more than anything else in creation. And then we get to this third good word. And this is one that I I think a lot of us can agree with, and that's this. Anxiety is unprofitable, right? Anxiety is unprofitable. Verse 27, Jesus says this. He says, can we add an hour onto our lifespan by being anxious? What's the obvious answer? No, no. We cannot, right? In other words, does anxiety accomplish anything helpful or profitable? Absolutely not. It's so unhelpful. It does nothing, right? Nothing of eternal significance, nothing of personal benefit. It's powerless. In fact, our anxiety doesn't lessen the problem at all. It just makes us miserable while we're trying to deal with the problem. So anxiety is totally unprofitable. That's what Jesus says in verse 27. But let's move into verse 31 and 32, where we get the fourth good word. Anxiety is exclusively for unbelievers. Anxiety is exclusively for unbelievers. And this is a little bit hard and a little bit tricky to navigate, and I want to do it carefully. So let's read the passage. Verse 31, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So when Jesus says Gentiles, it's not a racial difference, it's a religious difference. The Gentiles, at the time Jesus was speaking and saying these words precisely, the Gentiles did not have God. They had gods, but they didn't have Yahweh, right? And so... Those Gentiles were men without God, men without a heavenly father. They have no clue about their father in heaven. And so they had no antidote to their anxieties, so they simply just turned to materialism. In other words, there's nothing more to life than what I can see and fulfilling my needs. So when we as Christians, right, when we are anxious about even our most basic needs, we're we're actually acting like people who don't have God. Now, to be clear, some people uh, might argue this. I, I, I would say it goes the other way. Feeling anxious isn't proof that you aren't saved or aren't a Christian. That's not what Jesus is getting at here. But it is evidence to show that we're believing like one. It's it's called little faith, right? It's called little faith. When the disciples failed to trust in Jesus, in their needs, Jesus said to them, hey, you have little faith. But remember that little faith, the size of a mustard seed? You move mountains, right? So the essence of faith in God 
is a very practical reliance on the care and the power of the Godhead in our lives. And anxiety is pretty much essentially the opposite of that reliance, right? Which makes it unbelief, which is a characteristic of unbelievers. And so when I say this, ultimately what I'm trying to get at is we don't have to be like unbelievers. We have a Father in heaven who loves us and values us. And praise God that he brought us out of this kind of unbelief. Let's get to the fifth good word. We've got to book it, friends. Your father knows everything you need. That's what we see in verse 32. Your father knows everything that you need. So isn't our default to kind of think or assume that you and I are the experts on our own needs? I know myself better than anybody. I know that at the beginning of the day, I've got to go make a trip to Starbucks and get that almond milk honey flat white with Starbucks blonde espresso in order for me to have a good day. I know that's what I need. Or some people might say, I know that I need at the end of the day to veg in front of the TV for an hour and a half in order to just decompress. I know what I need. Guys, no, no, those are things that you think you need. God knows precisely what you need. And they're always in accordance with his good purposes. God knows exactly what you need because he's a good dad. He's paying attention to you. Do you believe that? So not only does our Father in heaven know everything that we need, but he also supplies everything that we need. Our Father will supply everything we need. So think about it this way. As a dad, I think I typically do a decent job, Caitlin might agree or might have some critiques, of, of, of knowing what my children need, at least a little bit, right? I, Isaac needs diapers, got to change them, right? Uh, they need food, usually. They need something to drink every now and then, right? Usually once a week. I'm just kidding. If it's cold outside, they need a jacket. I, I know those things. Imagine if I knew those things and said, I know you need them, but I'm not giving them. You can't have them. I know it's 15 degrees outside, but I'm not giving you a jacket. You got to go out like that. What kind of father is that? Right? There, there's laws that incriminate such negligence or abuse. Right? God's the perfect dad. He knows what we need and he's willing to give us all the things that we need. Right? This all-knowing God that we believe in has all the resources of heaven and in creation required to supply all of our needs at all moments of all of our lives. And so that's why ultimately we get to our seventh good word and that's where we say there is a better kingdom. There is a better kingdom. Guys, think about what anxiety really is. Think about it. Isn't anxiety almost like working to build and sustain and supply and to defend your own kingdom? Isn't that kind of what anxiety is? I mean, why else do you think Jesus would have this conversation about anxiety and, and, and the experience of it and how to kill it and then jump from that all of a sudden to saying, hey, seek first the kingdom of God. It's as if anxiety is designed to build our own kingdoms. And Jesus says, no, redirect your gaze and redirect your efforts to building God's kingdom. And there, all your needs will be added. You're worrying about having the things the way you want them or the way you need them to be. You're fighting for control in your anxiety. So if you want to kill your anxiety, refocus. 
your efforts, your desires, your thoughts of, uh, away from the vanity of building your own kingdom because it ain't going to last anyways, right? And redirect them to building God's kingdom. So like that includes committing to finding and doing the will of God, right? As the highest priority of your life. And when you do that, it's almost like the rest of the material concerns and anxieties that we have just get crowded out and they give way. Now, when I say this, right, this doesn't just like dismiss us into like an irresponsible, happy-go-lucky optimism that's just ignorantly lazy in life. That's not what we're after, guys. This is, this is calling us who are Jesus' disciples to an undistracted pursuit of our true and ultimate goal to which the lesser, though legitimate, concerns give way. Our priority is the kingdom of God, not my kingdom. And my anxiety is simply me trying to preserve or protect or supply or defend my kingdom. And then there's this final word that Jesus gives. Verse 34, God's mercies are sufficient for today's troubles, is the point. God's mercies are sufficient for today's troubles. Let's read the passage. He says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So guys, Jesus is saying that, that God isn't guaranteeing a future without threats and troubles, right? In other words, every day comes with a fresh new batch of threats and troubles that you've got to deal with. But today's troubles and today's threats don't need to be compounded by your worry over tomorrow's. Right? God already knows about tomorrow's troubles and threats and he's already got a fresh batch of mercy ready for you and all your needs. Guys, you've got to believe that God oversees the future that you can't see. You can't see what tomorrow's going to bring, but God's already there overseeing it all, supplying all the things that you need. God's already there on that surgery date coming up. And he's already going to supply you all the things that he knows that you need. So you remember, remember how um, Israel was traveling through the wilderness and God started supplying them daily bread, daily manna is what it was called. And you could only connect enough, collect enough for the day. You couldn't take any into tomorrow, right? Today he will give you enough manna, which we know is mercy and grace, right? It's everything that we need. But God's not going to give you tomorrow's manna today, right? Otherwise, you would trust in the manna that you were able to collect on your own more than you would even trust in him. God, I'm good. I've got all I need right here, right? That's why God says his mercies are new every morning because you need a fresh batch of mercy every morning for today's troubles and today's threats. And you can't go in tomorrow depending on today's grace. So let tomorrow be anxious for itself. And you can rest in the promise that there will be enough mercy and grace for you tomorrow. But today, let's partner with God today, knowing we will receive enough mercy from him for today. We will receive enough mercy for tomorrow. Just like he promised. Guys, these are the eight good words that, that Jesus gives here for anxious hearts. Like these are things that we get to believe as children of God. In the relationship that we get with God through Christ Jesus, we get to claim these as truths, as promises, right? And these are things that you and I must believe if we're ever going to walk in Jesus' invitation to don't be anxious. And that's why simply I would just say the psalmist 
says in Psalm 56, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. He doesn't put his trust in his government or an organization. He doesn't put his trust in his own abilities and strength. He doesn't even put his own trust in the people around him. He puts it in God. I'm going to take my confidence, my trust, my assurance, my conviction, my faith, what I'm believing, and I'm going to put it in you, God, where it belongs. So that when Satan in the world offers us something else to add to our pack. Here, here's something else to think about. Oh, you didn't consider this yet? I got you. Start being anxious about this. When Satan and the world start offering us new anxieties, I'm not gonna go, all right, it's already in. No, I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna be, wait a minute. Philippians 4, what does it say? I'm not, I'm not going to worry about this. I don't have to worry about anything. How? Well, in, in everything... In all my life, in everything that comes through prayer and through petition with thanksgiving in my heart, I'm going to present this thing, this new trouble, this new threat to my Father in heaven, and I'm going to trust his good words to me. I'm going to say, no, 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 uh, God, you knew that I have needs in regard to this, and I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you. I know, I, I know that I, I, I try to control things, but no, I'm just going to give it to your kingdom. In other words... Surrendering it to the cross. I'm casting it at the foot of the cross and saying, I'm not, I'm not going to be concerned about this anymore. It's yours, Jesus. I'm going to trust your good word. And it's here that Satan continues to offer more and more. And the world continues to offer more and more. And no, God, God, I, I know I'm trusting your word to me. I'm trusting that you're good. I'm trusting that you value me, that this isn't a deterrent of your value and your love for me. And I'm just going to hope that didn't break. And guys, as these new things keep coming and coming and coming, it's here. As we're convinced of these good words, as we believe these truths, as we, as we receive the peace that comes with these truths that can't even be explained, we're going to find that our hearts are guarded from just receiving these anxieties more and more. Instead, we're just going to hand them over to Jesus again and again. This is the fight for faith. So I, I, I just want to go ahead and, and, and say, guys, it's okay to have one of these as a Christian. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not have it all together. It's okay for us to have something looming ahead and being anxious about it. But what today is ultimately getting at is as a Christian, as a child of God, you don't have to. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to carry this your whole life. This doesn't have to be the tone of your life, just constantly weighed down, always burdened by so much anxiety. 
Guys, as as we do this work of faith, as we take in each new concern and bring it before the Lord, we're gonna find that those, those new beliefs that we're gonna be forming in our hearts according to God's word are addressing old things as well. And as we do this process, as we fight for faith, we're gonna find that God ultimately is taking these things off. And as we fight our anxiety more and more, and as God convinces of his truth more and more, you're going to find that your pack of anxieties, which weighs you down, is just going to be cast upon Christ because he cares for us. And they're no more. As you form new beliefs, you form new defenses. As you form right beliefs, your heart is guarded by the peace from he who is the Prince of Peace. Guys, your life is more more than about those anxieties. So the call today is simply not will you surrender, but will you believe greater? Yes, surrender those things to the foot of the cross, but will you believe the truth that Jesus put before us? His good word, will it make you glad? Ultimately, I'm asking, will you build your faith? Better yet, will you ask God to build your faith? Will you fight to have every belief in your heart evaluated and put before the throne and said, all right, God, I'm believing something wrong. What do I need to believe rightly? Because I'm anxious about this and I know I don't have to feel anxious. Because you can live free only by faith. Only by faith in Jesus' good word. So if, 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 if you've got your own pack, if you, you came in here and you're just weighed down by something ahead and you're, you're hoping to see God intervene into your life in such a way where he builds your faith such that the anxiety, the pack just falls. I'd love to pray with you. I'm not gonna be able to fix that for you. God can, Jesus can. So I would love to pray with you afterwards. Don't leave today with that heavy burden on your back. I truly believe you can live free by faith. And I want to invite you into that this morning. Let me pray for us. Father, we come to you and we thank you that you're a good father in heaven who values us, who has told us that our life is much more than about our needs or fulfilling them. You value us, you know our needs, you supply them, you show us how uh, unprofitable anxiety is, you show us how uh, anxiety is just simply something for unbelievers, that we don't have to be that way. We were brought out of unbelief, we were brought into right faith in you, God. So I thank you that you've done such an incredible thing in our lives, that you've brought us from the darkness into the light. You've You've brought us from being shackled and chained to anxiety to being able to fight by faith with our anxieties and surrender them to you, and cast them upon you because you care for us. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here and tuning in online, whoever's watching this, God, I just pray that you would encourage their hearts, that it wouldn't be uh, Scott Brud who's, who's doing the work here. God, it would be you who's doing the work of faith, building us up and encouraging us in our souls to believe the right things, ergo, be free from anxiety. God, whatever may be coming, whatever's looming ahead, the impossible unknowns and all the infinite possibilities that are coming, that we might 
lay awake with at night, pondering and sifting through. God, would you, in those moments, meet us with your good word and make our hearts glad. We love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.